Small College Basketball would like to thank Visit Central Florida for their support. Start planning your Central Florida vacation now at visitcentralflorida.com. That's visitcentralflorida.com. Welcome back to the Small College Basketball Podcast. I'm Chris Cottrell. And I'm Rob Gardner. With more than 25 combined years of college basketball coaching experience, we bring you the only podcast with news, scores, highlights, interviews, and insight from across NCAA Division II, Division III, NAIA, USCAA, and the NCCAA men's basketball. We hope you 2022-2023 season as we celebrate small college basketball programs, players, and coaches together. Welcome back to the Small College Basketball Podcast. I am Chris Cottrell. I'm joined again by Rob Gardner. And we're going to talk everything NCAA Division II, NCAA Division III, NAIA, NCCAA, and USCAA Small College Basketball for the next 45 minutes with you. Three weeks ago, we talked bracketology. We broke down the best teams, the best players, the best matchups we expected across all those levels of small college basketball. Uh, Last week, we crowned four national champions, and we discussed them on the latest pod. But today, we're down to crowning one national champion. Um, We got to get to the Elite Eight, the NCAA Division II Elite Eight from this past weekend. Uh, and, And Rob, you know, it ended just like it began with Nova Southeastern and coach Jim Crutchfield uh, at the top, rising to the top uh, national champions. They finish 36 and Oh, Nova Southeastern coach Jim Crutchfield win it this year. And, and Rob, like now that the season's over and you've had a chance to reflect, what are your first thoughts when you hear about Nova Southeastern being the national champions for NCAA division two this year. I mean, first of all, I mean, that was just a great elite eight to watch. I mean, great competition from the quarterfinals, the semifinals, the championship game. But when you sit back and you look at the big picture here, Chris, I mean, really happy for Jim Crutchfield. I mean, he's a guy like we're going to get into the amount of storylines with that national championship game, his effect and his impact and his just sustained greatness at the division two level. The only thing that was missing was a national championship. He'd been to the national championship before. He'd been to Final Fours. He'd been undefeated in the season before. And so for him to finally come away with with winning the national championship, you know, obviously against West Liberty, you know, was just something where it's like, okay, Northwest Missouri State here for the past, you know, win four out of five in Nova Southeastern. And then prior to that at West Liberty, Jim Crutchfield had been there every single year as one of the best teams in the country. And so honestly, just really feel – happy for him and the team at Northwest Missouri state to take home that national championship. Yeah. Um, you know, Nova Southeastern to get that win, um, especially with, with Northwest Missouri state being out of it this year, you know, we saw them live Rob and it was, I mean, watching Nova Southeastern play live, you appreciate the effort, the energy, the toughness, uh, and the mentality they have like to do it 36 times. Think about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, mean it's, like, it's, I think yeah. we both said watching you know, sitting there, you know, yeah, you know, lucky enough to sit there at the small college basketball to open. And, you know, once again, thanks to John McCarthy for all this. But, you know, I mean, we both to each other sitting there watching it live. Man, I'm tired just watching this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like so, exhausted. Yeah. 
So, so Rob, we, like we, we know we crown Nova Southeastern as national champions. Um, and, and, and I want to start at the top though, and, and how we got from the elite eight to the national championship game. Uh, Nova Southeastern started number one in the country entering the elite eight. They were 33 and Oh, you know, Best in the country at scoring the basketball, 103 points per game. Scoring margin, they were the most dominant team in the country. Average margin of victory is 27 points, forcing more turnovers than anyone else in the country. Um, they took on UMSL, University of Missouri St. Louis, a team that we had talked about on the pod. Uh, really impressive this year with all the overhaul they had on the roster. And at, at the half in the first round, this game was tied at 36, despite shooting 50% from the field, uh, University of Missouri St. Louis just could not keep up with the Sharks in the second half. Nova Southeastern forced Umsel into 22 turnovers, made twice as many free throws as Missouri St. Louis even attempted. You know, and this was this was the tightest game we saw early on in the Elite Eight. Uh, Nova Southeastern won 82-77. Um, Umsel had five players in double figures. Really nice performance from Drew Sissy. Double-double, 11 points, 10 rebounds. Um, Bode Sundquist finished with 15 points. He had five made threes. Matt Enright, Trevor Moore, Donovan Vickers all finished in double figures for uh, Umsel. They end the year 24-11. and 11, A really outstanding coaching job this season by Bob Sundvold uh, and the Titans. Uh, Tritons, sorry. Uh, you know, 24 and 11 after the overhaul they had in their roster, which we mentioned really impressive uh, coaching, coaching effort from coach Sunvold and then Nova Southeastern. I mean, I mean, Rob, we've talked about Will Yoakum all year long, 34 points in that opening round. RJ Sunahara finished with 13 points. Uh, the energizer bunny, as we like to call him, Dallas Graziano, 12 points, five assists, zero turnovers. What were your takeaways you know, what were your takeaways from the first round game, Nova Southeastern and University of Missouri St. Louis? Yeah, I mean, like closest game of those quarterfinal matchups. And, you know, it was honestly a little surprising, you know, to see yeah. Nova, you know, just in a really competitive game, you know, even though it's the one versus eight matchup. All right. It's not like this eight matchup is some bum off the street. I mean, Missouri St. Louis handled themselves well representing the Midwest region. And the thing that they did really well, which is hey, what you got to do against Nova Southeastern is a not turn the ball over, but then B you got to capitalize. And that's what they yeah. did. All right. I mean, they broke the press, but then they made Nova Southeastern pay for extending their defense and they scored. All right just you know break the press and then slow it down you know they broke the press and then scored and made nova southeastern play and so yeah really impressed with yeah isaiah fuller bowen sandquist all right the way that those those guys were able to handle the press and, and get to the basket score and then like you said bob sunvold i mean unbelievable job for the amount of roster turnover that they had but just too much depth I mean, too much experience, guys that have been in the NCAA tournament before. And you could really see, I mean, they Nova lost in, the, in this Elite Eight round last year in the 1-8 matchup to Black Hills. And so yeah. you could see kind of when it got towards the end, towards winning time, Nova really kicked it into another gear, you know, and said, hey, we're not going home in, in the Elite Eight again this year. Yeah, a, a really impressive game from both sides. I think, I think one thing that's so hard to do you know, against Nova Southeastern, having seen them live is like convince yourself to be aggressive against the pressure, mm -hmm. right? So, so often teams want to take that pressure and, and either 
they're too aggressive and they throw it all over the gym, or it's like we're trying to make the perfect pass, the perfect cut, the perfect read, and Nova Southeastern's a step ahead of you. So for Umsel to be able to score behind it and and, and finish at the rim, um, just a testament to again Coach Sunvold, uh, Bowen Tunquist guys who guys who really executed down the stretch. Um, across the bracket, Rob, the number two seed in this year's Elite Eight was West Liberty. They squared off against number seven, New Haven. And this game was all West Liberty. They jumped up at halftime, 45-21. They never looked back and defeated New Haven, 95-58. Coach Ted Hodling and New Haven end the season 23-11. Quishon Lane, Kendall McMillan both had 12 points. Tyrone Perry finished with 11. Uh, Major Majak led New Haven with 18 rebounds. So good performances from, from New Haven individually. For West Liberty, you know, a 14-0 run in the first half really pushed the game out of reach. They're up 24-4 midway uh, through the first half, winning 95-58. 14 points, uh, Zach Wasil off the bench. Bryce Butler had 13. Christian Montague, Finley Woodworth finished with double digits for West Liberty. You know, they forced 26 turnovers. They play that same style as Nova Southeastern. Again, you got to be able to score behind it. You got to be able to uh, be aggressive, but then you also got to guard them. Their aggressive offensive play, you got to be able to, to sit down and guard the ball. And, and Rob, what did you see from New Haven West Liberty in our second game? I mean, impressed with with West Liberty coming off the bat here. Right, they were maybe the most impressive team, if you want to say, as we leave the Elite Eight, just from those four quarterfinal games. And I think this really started in their regional tournament and, and specifically with their matchup against IUP in the regional final. They played, West Liberty played, with a tremendous chip on their shoulder. And, you know, just I think they really kept that throughout the entire Elite Eight, especially here in this game against New Haven. And the two things they really did against New Haven, New Haven could not handle their press. They turned it over uh, constantly against them. And then West Liberty just absolutely tore apart New Haven's 2-3 zone. And, you know, once again, I mean, New Haven had a great season. Major Majak was the defensive player of the year in the Northeast 10. Ty Perry, Quashawn Lane had a great, great career there, right? Their first time as a program in the Elite Eight. And so, you know, but you can just tell West Liberty came into this game with a chip on their shoulder, and they executed their game plan perfectly. Yeah, uh, the execution of the game plan, two contrasting styles. We talked about, you know, how hard it is to prepare for West Liberty or Nova Southeastern on a one-day prep. I mean, it's hard to prep for them no matter what. Uh, so, so, you know, so obviously, you know, we saw the 2-7 matchup go down with West Liberty. Uh, down the bracket, the number three seed, Black Hill State versus Minnesota Duluth, where the winner is going to get to go against uh, West Liberty in the Final Four. This one was all Black Hill State. Uh, Black Hill State jumped out to a 13-point lead, 45-32 at the half. Uh, you know, pretty much ran away from it at the uh, throughout the end of the game. The Yellow Jackets shot over 53% from the field. They were over 47% from three, and they defeat Duluth 86-68. Minnesota Duluth finishes the season 26-10, uh, and 10. Led by Drew Blair, Charlie Catona, both with 16 points. Josh Brown added 11. 
Duluth won the rebounding battle, but committed 14 turnovers against Black Hill State. Black Hill State with an outstanding performance from Matthew Ragsdale, 25 points. They get 23 points from Joel Scott, had a terrific season and has been recognized as such. Sindhu Sissi, Riker, Chris Eric off the bench, 13 points uh, apiece. Black Hill State, 19 assists to just nine turnovers. Um assisting on 62% of their field goals, something we're seeing in these first three games and throughout the postseason, Rob, the ability to take care of the ball and share the ball and make shots. Uh, Black oh, Hill State yeah. was able to do that. Yeah, and, and that's something that Black Hill State has done you know, all throughout the year. It's just been a very unselfish team. And so when you look at this game, I mean, this, I mean, Joel Scott for Black Hills, rightfully so, is going to get a lot of the headlines, all right? First-team All-American, absolute stud. But the story of this game, was Matthew Ragsdale and Sindhu Kizzy. All right, those two guys, Matthew Ragsdale on the offensive end was unconscious. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he was hitting threes from all over the place, sprinting all over the court, hitting you know, pull-up threes, off dribble threes, off movement threes. And then the other end of the court, Sindhu Kizzy would absolutely shut down Drew Blair. All right, now, hey, you know, I mean, Drew Blair is a tremendous player. You know, we've called him the Larry Bird of D2 before. And so he's a tremendously talented player. He still ended up with 16 points. But, you know, he, Sindhu Kizzy was just in his, you know, right up there with him the entire time, making everything difficult, making him attack very inefficiently. And so, you know, Sindhu Kizzy did a great job of shutting down or at least trying to contain Drew Blair on the defensive side. And then Matthew Ragsdale on the offensive side, the transfer from Western Colorado, first year there at Black Hills State, was just unconscious, 20, or 25 points, propelling them into the Final Four. Yeah, really, really outstanding performance from Black Hill State. Uh, they're going to go, you know, they're, they're set to go against West Liberty. What were your thoughts after watching those two games, the West Lib game and then Black Hill State? You know, it, it's a question of, okay, you know, obviously West Liberty is going to press. And so now Black Hills, they, they handled Nova Southeastern's press last year. And they upset Nova in the first round, or in the Elite Eight, excuse me. And – but they're, they're missing their point guard, Adam Musa. And, you know, he, he was, uh, you know, dismissed from the team earlier in the season. And so that's the question going into the West Liberty game is, is Black Hills as a team without their point guard? Now, they got really good players. They got Ragsdale. They got Joel Scott. They got Sindhu Kizzy. Yeah. And so, you know, is Black Hills going to be able to handle West Liberty's pressure for 40 minutes? Absolutely. Great question. You know, and we're, we're going to be able to see that uh, in the next round. But – but the first, uh, the, I guess the first, the first game that we had to decide, uh, uh, the first matchup we had, the, gosh, the last matchup we have to get to is Nova Southeastern's matchup. And then we're going to take on the winner of Cal State San Bernardino, as well as Lincoln Memorial. So that four or five game. And we talked, Rob, on the podcast earlier, previewing the Elite Eight, that this might be the most even matchup. Uh, going into going into the elite eight in terms of the numbers and uh, how how each team plays, two very evenly matched teams. Uh, but Cal State, you know, got a great performance from Brandon Napper. He made his 189th career three pointer as a uh, Cal State San Bernardino Yote, setting a school record. He finished with 15 points. 
you know, the difference in this game was really the closing of each half. Uh, San Bernardino closed a half on a 14-5 run. They went up nine at halftime, 40-31 over Lincoln Memorial. They end up uh, outscoring LMU 17-10 in the first five minutes of the second half. And from there, uh, the game was really never in question. Uh, you know, with, with San Bernardino advancing 88-70 over Lincoln Memorial. They were going to take on Nova Southeastern in the D2 Final Four. So Lincoln Memorial, Coach Sam Maripas, tremendous season. They finished 30-5, and a great postseason run, led by Matthew Sales and Mikel Burries, each with 16 points. Jordan Walters had 13. Uh, Cal State San Bernardino, led by Darius Mickens, 22 points. Mahav Fafanda finished with a double-double, 18 points, 14 rebounds. Dontrell Schuler added 18 points as well. Um, you know, San Bernardino out-rebounded Lincoln Memorial, uh, had more assists than Lincoln Memorial. This was really a challenging game uh, from the from the onset, but San Bernardino just seemed to impose their will throughout the course of the the end of the first half and the very beginning of the second half. Yeah, and you know one thing you know here with Lincoln Memorial is you know they were without one of their best players, and you know so Quay Kennedy you know had had a knee injury at the very end of the regional final against South Carolina Aiken, so. He ended up being – he was the Southeast Regional Most Outstanding Player, was not able to play in the Elite Eight game for Lincoln Memorial. And just he's such a dynamic six-foot-seven playmaker, very good defender. And so, you know, that was a big loss by Lincoln Memorial there. And so it was tough for them, you know. But they still had they had great performances from Chase Rankin, like you said, Matthew Sells and Mikel Burris are two of the best shooters in the country. You know, Jordan Walters was tough there. But just Cal State San Bernardino – had too much talent, too many athletes, and they were just, they were rolling together. And, you know, Brandon Knapper is one of the best players in the country, you know, whether it's shooting threes, whether it's operating out of ball screens. And so just Cal State San Bernardino was just too much to overcome for Lincoln Memorial without Quake Kennedy. Yeah, and, and anything you saw uh, or anything you thought of initially when you heard Cal State San Bernardino and the matchup with Nova Southeastern, first thoughts? I thought this was going to be a super competitive game. You know, I was really impressed watching this with San Bernardino's depth of talent, depth of ball handlers, playmaking ability. And so they just have a – they don't just rely on one guy to stir the drink. And so, you know, I really thought, okay, they're going to be able to hang right there with Nova Southeastern, you know, as far as, you know, once again, Nova's going to force you to play their style. And I thought – I think, you know, San Bernardino has the depth of talent, the variety of, of playmakers, of ball handlers – to not only once again handle the press, but make Nova pay for pressing by capitalizing and scoring at the other end. Yeah, absolutely. So, so now we're into the Division Two Final Four, and we're talking um, about the first game: West Liberty and Black Hills, number two versus number three. West Liberty versus Black Hills, number two versus number three. The NCAA Division II Final Four. This game, it looked to be all West Liberty. Went into halftime, leading 47-31. But steadily and consistently throughout the second half, uh, some West Liberty foul trouble, some missed shots, allowed Black Hill State to get back into it. And Black Hill State, Joel Scott, he went for 23 in the second half. He's pretty good. They cut into West Liberty's lead, getting it just under, just under uh, three with three minutes to play. 
and a bucket from Malik McKinney put West Liberty up eight with under two minutes to play. And from there, it was a possession-to-possession game. Score management, Les Liberty went on to win 87-82. Black Hill State finished the season 29-6, and or led by, uh, of course, Joel Scott. He had 33 points on the evening with 13 rebounds. P.J. Hayes added 17 points. Uh, Jayton Hickley and Cindy Kizzy were in double digits as well. Uh, you know, West Liberty being able to manage foul trouble, this would be a bit of a precursor. Uh, Rob, that we saw, they managed to foul trouble. They get through the final four behind Malik McKinney and Bryce Butler. Both had 16 points. Chaz Hintz had 14 points off the bench. Uh, Steve Candy, 13 points for the Hilltoppers. So, so West Liberty advances. They defeat Black Hill State. And in a game, aesthetically, Rob, wasn't very pleasing, especially in the second half. But they're able <laughs> – they're able to they're able to advance. You know, what did you see from both teams here in the first Final Four game? Exactly. It was all from the start. And West Liberty just came out, you know, guns blazing. They came out ready to go from the start. And Black Hills just initially couldn't handle their pressure. They couldn't handle the press. They were turning the ball over. And throughout the game, West Liberty just did a great job of containing Ragsdale. You know, we talked about yeah. Ragsdale just went off against Minnesota Duluth in the Elite Eight round. You know, and West Liberty was just in his shorts the entire Final Four game. And they did a great job just limiting his attempts, limiting, you know, his, his touches. And, you know, West Liberty forced Black Hills to play their style, play up-tempo, and they turned the ball over a lot in the first half. Now, like you mentioned there, all right, Black Hills, they're, they're a veteran group with a lot of pride, one of the best players in the country, and Joel Scott. And they recovered, and they came back in the second half. But still, West Liberty was just, you know, they were too much on a mission. And, you know, that just it really all came down basically the first 10 minutes of the game was just too much to overcome for Joel Scott and Black Hill State. Yeah, too much to overcome. So West Liberty, who entered the Elite Eight as the number two seed, advances to the national championship game. Later that evening, we have Nova Southeastern versus Cal State San Bernardino. Uh, San Bernardino jumped ahead very early. But Nova Southeastern, number one team in the country, rallied. Uh, they, they go on a 17-2 run. They lead at halftime, 48-43. Uh, second half was back and forth, but Nova Southeastern managed to hold on. Uh, Cal State San Bernardino cuts the lead to three, 63-60, with just over 10 minutes to go. Nova Southeastern pulls away, 94-87. Cal State San Bernardino has a tremendous year, finishing uh, 31-4. Brandon Napper, excellent again for the Oats. He had 32 points in the national semi. Mickens added 12 points. So uh, really impressive performance uh, with Dontrell Schuler finishing with 18 points. Really impressive performance from Cal State San Bernardino. Obviously up for the challenge. Uh, but Nova Southeastern, just too much. Kobe Rogers, 21 points. Will Yoakum, Jonathan Pierre, 18 points apiece. RJ Sunahara, 13 points. Dallas Graziani, 13 points. Uh, you know, um, to quote somebody that I that I worked with at Lincoln Memorial, you know, Nova Southeastern, Rob, just too many bullets in the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, too many bullets in the gun. But both teams, extremely disciplined, extremely tough. This game more aesthetically pleasing than than the game before. Um, what did you see? What did you see from both teams? Because I think, you know, just the, the talent that was on the court for this game is what blew me away at first glance. 
Yeah, and I mean, this was a super entertaining game, a really fun game to watch. And, you know, I was honestly just, first of all, I mean, just really impressed with San Bernardino. I mean, just they, they, they represented themselves, you know, conference, the West Coast, just, I mean, with a lot of pride and really impressed with Brandon Napper. And just, you know, it all starts with him as far as his ability to handle the press, his ability to score at all three levels, you know, whether it's from three, the mid-range or at the rim. But then, you know, I mean, San Bernardino, just with Mickens and Schuler, they were able to finish, right? Now, hey, they, they yeah. still had their share of goals and whatnot. But just their, you know, collective ball handling abilities, their collective playmaking ability allowed them to keep the game close. And, you know, this was a very – this is, you know, both this and Missouri-St. Louis seven-point game. And so they were right there with Nova Southeastern. But at the end of the day, I think Nova, you know, I mean, they, they, it just seems like they've been on a mission all year, right, from those first couple of games that we saw, just the veterans that they have back that came off that Elite Eight loss last year after another undefeated season. It just – you can tell that when it gets to the last five to ten minutes of a game, they kick it into another gear, you know, whether it's Sinahara, whether it's Yoakum, whether it's Kobe Rogers, you know, all those guys you know, are, are, are veterans to the NCAA tournament. And so they know when it gets to the last five to 10 minutes. And part of that is also Nova's system as far as, oh, yeah. you know, that system, it can wear on you. And so, you know, it, it's a cumulative effect to where it gets to those last five to 10 minutes. And you're just mentally drained and they're still going, they're still chugging along. And so it's, it's the depth of talent. It's how connected they are both on the offensive end, the defensive end. And then we're going to talk about a lot more in the championship game, but Dallas Graziani, I mean, he's the engine that stirs that drink as far as, you know, Sunahara and Yoakum score a lot of points. But Graziani is the engine that, that really makes that Nova team go as far as on the court, as far as energy, heart, and grit. And so, yeah, I really think he was one of the biggest factors in them overcoming San Bernardino. Absolutely. I, I, I got to agree with you. They have – you know, six guy, five guys in double figures, um, and the guard play. At the end of the day, guard play, Rob. We've talked about this. It's so important in March. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And that's just you know that that's exactly what what Nova had. And you know, we're going to talk about more here in the championship game. But just yeah, Dallas Graziani, Kobe Rogers. You know, those guys just you know they they have the ability to take over the game. And it's not about creating plays for themselves. It's about getting assists. It's about creating hockey assists. It's about creating advantages. And so those guys are able to break down the defense and create efficient shots either for themselves or their teammates. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so the teams that have guard play that set up shots for themselves, for their teammates that can assist the ball can score against pressure. Like those teams always advance or seem to advance uh, more consistently regardless of level. And that's what happened in this division two elite eight. You know, you talk about uh, getting more bites at the apple. I've used that a few times. And and uh, you talked about that last podcast, West Liberty, Nova Southeastern get more bites at the apple and had gotten more bites all year long. So that sets up the national championship. Rob, ton of storylines in this one. Take us through some of the storylines. Oh, I mean, I mean where, where, where do we start here? All right. I mean, this, this is just an unbelievable. I mean, just it, it's just exciting. All right. We got a national championship here. All right. And so, I mean, beginning with. All right the mentor, Jim Crutchfield, and the mentee, Ben Hallett at West Liberty, all right? I mean, Hallett played for Jim Crutchfield, all right, when he was a head coach at West Liberty, where he took the Hilltoppers to four straight Elite Eights and is now only one of three coaches to take two different schools to the championship game, all right? Crutchfield at West Liberty was a two-time national coach of the year, 
Nova's Will Yoakum played four years at West Liberty and, you know, is now one of Nova's team leaders. He transferred from West Liberty to Nova Southeastern in the offseason. So, you know, across from Nova Southeastern, we have Coach Ben Hallett in West Liberty, and they're making their 14th consecutive NCAA tournament. Right? Now, this is, yeah. this is remarkable. Right? This is a streak that started under Jim Crutchfield, obviously. And Hallett, he played for Jim Crutchfield at West Liberty from 2006 to 2009, scoring more than 1,600 points. All right. And then now Hallett, 161 and 24, after taking over for Crutchfield once he left for Nova, has the highest winning percentage of any coach with five or more years' experience, while Crutchfield, 494 and 82, with an 858 win percentage, tops the list for coaches who have been on the sidelines for 10 or more seasons. And so, I mean, this is. It, it, it truly is like if you turn this script into Hollywood, I mean, Disney wouldn't even make this, you know, as far as just <laughs> the symmetry, the storylines, the, the amount of just, you know, people that know each other. And then you get into the basketball aspect of it, Chris, of just the similarities of them just actually on the court. Yeah. I mean, you have the two top scoring offenses in the country. Nova averaging 102 points per game. West Liberty coming in averaging just over 100 points per game. The country's top two assist teams, uh, both averaging 21 assists per game. You know, bound to be an instant classic. So what happened? Nova Southeastern gets out early. 10-point lead. Uh, but this game was back and forth the whole way. West Liberty battled, rallied, answered the call in Saturday's national championship. Nova Southeastern got a three-pointer at the buzzer to close the half. Will Yoakum from deep uh, takes a seven-point lead, 55-48 into halftime. Nova then extends the lead to 12 with about 10 minutes to play, and eventually Kobe Rogers would get the lead to 17 with six minutes remaining. But West Liberty would outscore Nova Southeastern 20 to 8 in the final five minutes. They get the deficit to five points with 30 seconds to go, two possession game until get, uh, Dallas Graziani, Kobe Rogers close out the national championship from the free throw line. They give Nova Southeastern their first ever NCAA Division II men's basketball national championship, 111, 101. Uh, some pretty impre- incredible individual performances here. Uh, and, and records set in Saturday's matchup. First, West Liberty set a national championship game record with 16 three-point field goals. West Liberty's 101 points are the second most ever scored in an Elite Eight championship game. Second only two, Nova Southeastern's 111. The 111 points scored by Nova Southeastern, the most ever scored in a national championship game. Uh, their 55 points in the first half also set an Elite Eight National Championship game record. Rob, those two teams score the basketball almost at will. So if you're a betting man, you should have taken the over with this matchup. And, and, and yeah, the individual performances. Talk about this, Rob. Yeah, I mean, and so, you know, once again, we have great teams that score the ball a lot but a lot of guys who can get buckets, all right? I mean, for West Liberty and the runner-up effort, all right, Bryce Butler was outstanding, all right? Once again, Bryce Butler, one of the best players in the country, Mountain East Player of the Year, first-team All-American, 32 points, nine rebounds. Christian Montague, 19 points on five of seven behind, behind the arc with five rebounds. Was also helped out by Steve Canaday, 11 points. Zach Razil, 11 points. Chaz Hines chipped in with 10 points as well. All right, so terrific effort from the Hilltoppers, but just wasn't enough 
against Nova Southeast of the national championship led Sharks. All right. Nova was led by Will Yoakum, 31 points, eight rebounds. RJ Sinahara, 28 points, nine rebounds. Dallas Graziani, 24 points, nine assists. Kobe Rogers, 13.7 rebounds. I mean, just really good all around performances from the best team in the country. And so, you know, it's just, it, it's Chris, it's hard to talk about just how tremendous this game was. Once again, we talk about the storylines, Crutchfield, Howlett, you know, Yoakum playing on both teams, the, the similarities of style. I mean, just what a, a very uh, rewarding championship game. You know, a lot of times you get to a championship game and it kind of turns into a little bit of a letdown or a dud. I mean, this was, you know, the best game and the highest stage for Division Two. And did you feel, Rob, watching that game at any point where – West Liberty was going to really challenge Nova Southeastern. Like, did you ever feel like Nova Southeastern may not be up to the challenge in the moment, riding an undefeated record into the national championship, riding on being number one in the country? You ever feel like they weren't ready for the moment? Honestly, no. And, you know, we talk about, you know, their elite eight games, their final four games. They came out with the most intensity and the most focus to start the national championship game. And, you know, I mean, they ended up going up, I think, 18 or 20 in the second half. And, you know, they showed so much. It it was almost like, okay, let's just unleash now when they got to the national championship game. And it was the most impressive, at least Elite Eight Final Four national championship. Their start to the national championship game was maybe the best I've seen them here recently. And so, you know, and once again, we we, we talk about, I mean, RJ Sinahar gets National Player of the Year. Will Yoakum, I mean, had a tremendous Elite Eight. And, you know, 31 points, eight rebounds. Those two are, I mean, you can't say enough about them. But still, Dallas Graziani in this game against a pressing West Liberty team is the reason, in my opinion, Nova Southeastern is the national champion sitting here today. I mean, Dallas Graziani was able to handle the press. And once again, not just handle it and get the ball past half court, but he got, I mean, I don't know how many dunks for RJ Sunahara were created by Dallas Graziani. I don't know how many catch-and-shoot threes for Will Yoakum were created by Dallas Graziani. Now, <laughs> I don't want to undersell. The amount of tough shots that Will Yoakum hit this game was unreal. I mean, he, he's hitting, you know, I mean, uh, you know, not necessarily Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Damian Lillard, just tough, contested threes. And, and so he was – Will Yoakum's shot-making was outstanding this game. But still, the straw that stirred the drink for them this game – was Dallas Graziani and just his ability to break the press for Nova Southeastern to handle the ball and to get easy shots for the rest of his teammates. Yeah. And, and, and these two teams so incredibly talented play so incredibly hard, the matchup of similar styles had to be fun to watch. And, and it was bound to be fun to watch for everybody uh, as wrapping up the Division II season. So congratulations to Jim Crutchfield, Nova Southeastern. They finished the year 36-0, undefeated national champions. Um, and, and, Rob, the award winners are a list of names that we've been talking about all season. You know, the NCAA Division II award winners uh, from the NABC, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, Nova Southeastern's head men's basketball coach, Jim Crutchfield, recognized as NABC Coach of the Year. Nova Southeastern's forward, R.J. Sinahara, recognized as NABC Player of the Year. He averaged 18.9 points, 5.4 rebounds, and 1.6 blocks per game. He shot 60% from the field. Absolutely terrific during the national championship game with 28 points and 9 rebounds. 
Along with those two awards, the NABC also announced their 22-23 season Division II All-American team. The All-America honors are voted on by member coaches. This year's NABC Division II All-America team, Caden Anderson from Point Loma, Tyler Abuckle from St. Anselm, Diego Bernard, Northwest Missouri State, Jesse Bingman, University of Indianapolis, Jaden Booth from Florida Southern, Bryce Butler out of West Liberty, Rich Beyer from Rockhurst, Tyshawn Crawford from Augusta, Shondell Jones, IUP, KJ Jones from Emmanuel, Brandon Knapper from San Bernardino, Akul Kott from Fort Lewis, Zach Laput from Bentley, Sam Matston from Northern State, Joel Scott out of Black Hill State, and RJ Sunahara from Nova Southeastern. There's more awards to get to. Rob, who else you got? I mean, what an impressive group there. I mean, just the, the amount of names and talent there for Division Two is just really striking to look at. All right, so now as we get into the NCAA Division II Conference Commissioner's Award, all right, we got Joel Scott from Black Hills State University was named the 2023-2022-2023 D2CCAA Ron Lenz National Player of the Year. Scott averaged 22.8 points per game and 9.6 rebounds per game. He tallied 15 double-doubles on the season. Now, the D2CCA first-team All-American selections include Joel Scott from Black Hill State, RJ Sara from Nova Southeastern, Caden Anderson from Point Loma, Bryce Butler, West Liberty, and Frank Champion, sophomore from North Georgia. The second team, led by Diego Bernard, senior Northwest Missouri State, Akul Cott, Fort Lewis, KJ Jones, junior out of Emmanuel College, Zach Laput from Bentley, and Will Yoakum from Nova Southeastern. Pretty impressive list of names as well uh, from the uh, Division II Conference Commissioners Association. And as we're talking about these names, I do want to take a minute, Rob, to remind our listeners that uh, the remaining top 25 players on the Bevo Francis Award Watch List were announced a couple of weeks ago. And everyone uh, should be aware that the Bevo Francis Award is an ongoing evaluation process. This Saturday, coming up April 3rd, there's a video presentation in between the NCAA Division I Final Four games where they announce the finalists. Small College Basketball, John McCarthy, the Bevo Francis Award will be presented on Monday, April 3rd at halftime of the NCAA Division I National Championship game. So a lot of good stuff coming up. Um, the Bevo Francis Award, Rob, presented annually to the player who has had the finest overall season inside of small college basketball. It includes stats, individual achievements, awards, personal character, team achievements. Um, gosh, you know, like there's 25 names on this list. We got a bunch in front of us to talk about. But I, I want to go to some names, Rob, that maybe people have not been as familiar with. Um you know, and the name that pops to me the most, because we've talked about, you know, we've talked about Sunahara, we've talked about uh, Tyshawn Crawford, talked about Northern State and Sam Mastin. But the, the, one of the guys that stands out to me, and I want you to go ahead and, and pick a couple, but I'm going to start Mason Waters out of Jamestown, 6'9 mm. senior. He was the 2023 NABC NAIA Player of the Year. 
you know, finished second in the nation in scoring 26.6 points per game, um, shot 64% from the field, averaged nine and a half rebounds a game. He's a ABC All-American. Um, he was Mid-America Sports, the Great Plains Athletic Conference Player of the Year. Like when I think of some of the top talent in small college basketball, Mason Waters. He is super impressive here, Chris. And, you know, I've never seen him play in person, but watched a lot of him on film. And he's, he's, he's what you want out of a modern skilled big. I mean, he's a beast in the post, six foot nine, long, dynamic, athletic, assertive down there. But yet he, he's also skilled enough to where he can take it out on the perimeter, shoot threes, put it on the dribble, a couple dribbles and make a move. And so, you know, he's a really just complete package. And so, I mean, he, he was great at Jamestown there and, and well-deserving there for NAI National Player of the Year. Another name I want to talk about here, Chris, is Alex Sobel, all right? Yeah. Senior out of Middlebury. D3Hoops.com National Player of the Year, selected from both the NABC and the D3 Hoops All-American. And so, you know, something else with him, I mean, he, he's, you know, he was the Division Three, Region One Most Outstanding Player, the NESCAC Player of the Year, and Defensive Player of the Year in the same season, right? And so, yeah. you know, I mean, that's just super impressive to see someone who is that skilled offensively, but yet you see a complete game, Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, at the Division Three level that just really stood out all year. Yeah, I would agree. You know, Sobel is so talented, another skilled big. Um, you know, we haven't talked – we haven't talked a ton recently about uh, Northwest Missouri State, but I do think mentioning, you know, Diego Bernard is uh, is a player worth mentioning. MAIA Player of the Year, MAIA Defensive Player of the Year, and the the Central Region Player of the Year. You know, another guy that stands out to us when we think about winning programs, we think about consistent performance, you know, Diego Bernard. Of course, we've talked about Bryce Butler from West Liberty. Um, what's another name that stands out to you, Rob? I think another name here, I'm going to mention two here, right? And just okay. because they're both Division II, same region, that's Frank Champion out of North Georgia and Tyshawn Crawford out of Augusta, right? Both out of the Southeast region in Division II. Champion, six foot seven, the D2. Regional Player of the Year out of the Southeast, the Peach Belt Conference Player of the Year. And so, you know, he's 6'7". We talk about just a versatile forward, a versatile playmaker, 20 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, four assists with 14 double-doubles. And so just – and he's done a great job of elevating, along with Coach Dan Evans, that North Georgia program, to their first-ever NCAA tournament. And so just he's done a great job with that program right there. And then Tyshawn Crawford, big seven-foot-one center. I right, made the national championship game last year, national runners up to Northwest Missouri State. But Crawford came back this year and just had a monster senior season. 21 points per game, right? Put him first in the Peach Belt, 15th among active Division II scorers. And then Crawford also topped the Peach Belt in field goals, field goal percentage at 65%, and averaged two blocks a game, second in rebounds, eight per game. And, but he was just, he was someone that you could not guard one on one. And, you know, watched a lot of film on him throughout the year, watched a lot of his games. And, you know, he just really affected the game at both ends of the court. You had to throw a double team at him. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, we see maybe some big guys or seven-footers that aren't that skilled or maybe aren't that tough. That is not Tyshawn Crawford. I mean, he was, he was fierce. He was aggressive down in the post where you needed to throw a double team at him 
And then at the defensive end, I mean, he, he was swatting shots left and right. You, you did not bring anything soft into the paint because he was sending it back. Yeah, yeah. Those guys in that same region, you know, one of the better regions we talked about, one of the stronger regions we talked about um, in our preview, you know, Tayshawn Crawford is just a man. He is a, mm-hmm. he is a grown man. And so the last name that I'll mention uh, out of Keene State, NCAA Division Three, is Jeff Hunter. First team All-American, 6'7 forward. NABC All-District Team, first team, uh, All-Little East Conference. He was named the Little East Conference Offensive Player of the Year, Little East Conference Defensive Player of the Year, and um, he was named the uh, Little East Conference All-Defensive Team. I mean, guys that impact both sides of the ball, I I think it's so valuable and it's uh, worthy of recognition, especially at the small college level, because the talent is there. This guy, you know, Jeff Hunter, 24 double doubles. He averaged almost 19 points and 14 rebounds, you know, three assists per game, three blocks per game. So uh, just a outstanding talent led Keene state to a great season. That's, that's my last name. You know, I think uh, we're going to be, really surprised when we see the finalists uh, or not surprised based on what we know about each guy, but, but we don't know the finalists. Uh, we are excited to see just like everybody else, Rob, what else you got? Yeah. And once again, there, there's, there's so many names to choose from here, you know, whether it's Jalen Brooks out of LSU Shreveport, Bryce Butler has obviously had, you know, a tremendous season here, you know, Caden Anderson, we've talked a lot about throughout the season, six foot eight, three time first team, all American at the division two level, Tyson Cruikshank, senior out of Wheaton, you know, unbelievably talented player, Zach Goodline, crossroads league player of the year from Huntington out of NAI. And so, you know, yeah, you're, you're excited to see who, who the finalists end up being. And then, Hey, who, who ends up becoming, you know, the next prestigious winner of the Bebo Francis award here, Chris. Absolutely. I think we'll all be uh, holding our breath, looking forward to that Bebo Francis award announcement. Again, finalists will be announced on Saturday, April 3rd. And the Bevo Francis Award winner from small college basketball will be announced on Monday at halftime of the upcoming national championship game. So, Rob, this one was a blast. We wrapped up uh, the national champions edition of small college basketball by celebrating Nova Southeastern and all the awards for uh, NCAA Division II. It's been a great ride. We'll, uh, we'll do one more episode after the Bevo Francis Award winner is announced. We'll recap some awards from across the, across the country and across all levels of small college basketball. But this one's been great. Thanks a lot, Rob. We'll talk soon. Awesome. Can't wait, Chris. Thank you for listening to this week's Small College Basketball Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe for our weekly episodes and interviews devoted to the incredible players, teams, coaches, alumni, and history all across levels of small college basketball. And if you're a fan of the Small College Basketball Podcast, please leave us a five-star review. We encourage our fans to use the link attached to this episode to share the Small College Basketball Podcast with your family, friends, and other small college basketball fans. The Small College Basketball Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast episodes. You can follow Small College Basketball on Twitter and Facebook or visit our website, www.smallcollegebasketball.com. Small College Basketball would like to thank Visit Central Florida for their support. 
Start planning your Central Florida vacation now at visitcentralflorida.com. That's visitcentralflorida.com.